Pack Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Welcome to Extension Horses Tack Box Talk Series, Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University, and today we're going to be talking about the extreme importance of knowing what normal is in your horse so that we can identify when things are going wrong and we might need to call in a little uh, extra support. So with me today is Sarah Masteller from Ohio Technical Institute and Betsy Green from the University of Arizona. So welcome, guys. Hey, thank you. Hey, great to be back. Okay, guys. So uh, again, something that we all probably preach in all of our teaching and extension workshops um, with our students, but many of our, you know, adult learners or youth don't always get the same direct access to people holding them by the hand to say, this is how we know what normal is with our horse. So when you approach teaching that, what is the kind of first step to knowing, hey, my horse is fine? <laughs> well, I can tell you that we found we found that everyone says, oh, yeah, I know what the numbers are. But then when you ask them to work with a horse and take respiration and do the temperature and heart rate and dehydration and gum color, they just say, oh, yeah, I know what the numbers are. And so we started using uh, in, you know, hands on uh activities at our equine symposium for a learning or refresher so that we could actually get them to get their hands on the horses to learn those because so many times they know numbers but don't recognize that their they their horse might be colicking or not feeling quite right and they could have noticed it sooner if they knew it was normal Okay, so you said everybody knows the numbers, but let's say just in case they don't. Um, so let's go through the numbers and then talk about when those numbers might change and then when a small change might be no big deal. So let's start with everybody's favorite, the temperature. Sarah, what are we looking for? Sure, so we're looking for 99 to 101 degrees Fahrenheit is what we're looking for for temperature. And before we get too far into the numbers, I, I always like to tell my students, um, observation is, is good horsemanship. And if you're not observing behavior, uh, their environment, um, the horse's body, uh, and what you're seeing, you're, you're not providing the best possible care you can for those, for those animals. So it can even start with how does that horse react to your presence when you walk by their stall? or they see you um, in the pasture, because that can even tell you um, a little bit or give a clue into how they're feeling that day. So anyway, back to the numbers. Yeah, no, but I think that's, that's worth kind of talking about because the average horse owner probably isn't going to take their temperature every day because like who has time? Uh, but we always think about what is the trigger for me to go find the thermometer and check. And I think Sarah, your, your point about you know, walk them by the stall and how they react. So it's worth mentioning, like, how should they react when you walk by the stall? 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I, my horse always is, is comes to the front of his door. Um, and sometimes he'll even paw or, or Winnie too, um, <laughs> when he sees me. Um, but it definitely depends on the horse, your relationship with that horse. Um, and what's normal for that particular individual. Um, when I was working at a, a boarding barn, for example, there is a horse that never, ever, ever laid down. And the barn manager at the time, uh, when he laid down, immediately called the vet. If I were to see a different horse laying down in the stall, I might not think twice about it. So it's really understanding what is normal for your horse, uh, as well as normal for horses in general. I know that, Chris, you probably walk by stalls where the horse pins its ears and throws its head out trying to bite, or then the other one just stands and turns an ear. And depending on what's normal for that horse, if the horse isn't trying to come after you, sometimes that tells you they're not feeling well. Yeah, absolutely. So knowing, again, normal behavior for that individual, but there's some signs like uh, subtle things that people don't always recognize. I'm going to put my behavior hat on here a little bit, but you know, most animals notice when people come by, right? They're going to respond and the animal that isn't responding to the presence of a human, that should sort of start raising some alarm balls, even alarm bells maybe. So if it's not like, you know, they, they can either have a happy, you know, yeah, you're here, or maybe like, oh, I don't like you, but, but response, some response should actually happen. Well, and typically that's the vet would record that as B-A-R bright, alert, and responsive. So you're absolutely on point on that. And so just even knowing that and noticing a difference will be your first indication. Okay, so we're gonna swing back to temperature because again, this is the one most people maybe are comfortable with. So um, I know I did a little workshop the other day and I pulled out my uh, digital thermometer and, and said, okay guys, it was a 4-H group. Where does this go? And they're like, behind his elbow. It's like, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> so where do we normally take a horse's temperature? So normally we're looking at rectal temperature, although I think there's some technology where you can get eye temperature and some other things too now, um, but rectal temperature. And it goes back to also training your horse. Um, to accept having their temperature taken and doing it in a correct manner uh, that makes it um, at least uncomfortable, I guess, <laughs> experience as you can for the horse so that they will cooperate with you. And, um, and also you need to know what normal is for your horse. I had a pony growing up that was always uh, a little bit low uh, using that particular thermometer that we always use. So um, if you know what the temperature is of your horse normally, and also if that particular, and you use the same thermometer, uh, you're more likely to pick up changes if you do have a fever or something else going on. So let's do the, um, the first part there. How do we make sure a horse is okay with you taking their temperature? <laughs> you, so Go for I mean, it, Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first thing is you're gonna start at their shoulder and you're not just gonna walk up, grab their tail, pick it up, standing behind them. You're gonna approach them safely, let them know who you are, what you're doing, and go back towards the hindquarters, standing on the side. And you can actually reach around and pull the tail to the side, you're watching how they're reacting. If they're moving, kick, hopefully if they're kicking, they're not kicking sideways, but pinning their ears or 
or jumping or clamping, clamping their tail, then you're going to have to take it a little more carefully. If they're used to that, you'll pull the tail to the side. You'll use some kind of lubrication, whether it's some um, lubricant from a, a tube or even nature's lubricant and a little bit of spit in the hand so that you're not, as Sarah said, making the horse uncomfortable and potentially damaging tissues. Okay, so we want to um, kind of train the horse and approach this with care. And you did say there's a, a pretty big range. So you gave us a, a two degree range. So when do we see those values where we might have a little bit of concern versus when maybe we're outside of that range and it's not such a big deal? So I can think of a common scenario where you might be a little bit outside the range and it's perfectly normal. So say you've been exercising the horse. Uh, muscles, uh, when they contract, that creates heat, body heat, and the horse needs to dispel that. So that can increase their body temperature. Um, so it, eventually they're going to go back to normal um, and hopefully relatively quickly if they're fairly fit and, you know, thermal regulation is working. <laughs> um, so that would be an example. Yeah. And of course, depending if they did have some sort of illness, sickness, there may be a a chance that it's slightly higher or it's very high depending on what they have infecting them. So it can be 102 might be a cause for a heads up and start keeping an eye on them and maybe even quarantine them if you're concerned if they haven't just been exercising. But 106, that's very, very serious just like in people. Yeah, so we definitely, if you have that high temperature, um, it is time to call the veterinarian, right? Um, and certainly, as uh, Betsy said, probably want to be thinking about biosecurity if your temperatures are high in your horse until you're able to investigate what that is. Because certainly there's infectious agents and then there's toxicities and, you know, toxicities typically aren't as contagious. Correct. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Um, okay, so we got temperature. Now the other two are the ones people are like, oh, I really don't know how to do that. So let's do the numbers and then maybe give some advice on how does a person acquire the numbers? Well, sure. So uh, pulse and respiration. So that'd be round out your TPR. Uh, so for pulse, we're looking at 25 to 40 beats per minute and then respiration eight to 24 breaths per minute. Um, my favorite place to find pulse on a horse is actually under the jaw on that artery there. It feels like a little like clothesline sized rope. And if you press that into the underside of the, the mandible, um, don't use your thumb, use fingers because your thumb has its own pulse. Um, you can usually get a, a pretty good pulse, or at least I've had the most luck there. Although that you can get pulse other places as well as heart rate. And then respiration, my, my favorite way to do it is to watch the flank and make sure you're counting in and out as one breath as opposed to two um, so you don't end up with a, a double number. And for both of those, you count for 15 seconds and multiply by four or count for 30 seconds and multiply by two. Or if you're against multiplication, you can count for a whole minute. <laughs> And it wouldn't hurt to repeat it, right? Just to make okay. sure that you get the same consistent numbers because it, you know, there when you're taking pulse on or, or heart rate on a horse and you're doing their head, horses do have a tendency to move their head when you don't want them to. Mm -hmm. 
It's really hard to take pulse when they're chewing there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and if you're listening to the heart rate at the, at the girth area with a stethoscope, you, besides the fact that you often have a lot of background noise, you have to listen for the lub dub as one count. And, and again, sometimes it's as much getting the pattern of the count as you're counting, because it's not like they generally go lub dub, pause, then lub dub, lub dub. <laughs> so even as you're counting respirations or heart rate, you're, you're getting the pattern as you're counting. And then again, whether it's 15, 30 or the full minute, it's sometimes hard to listen for the full minute with the heart rate, but the pulse is pretty easy. And the respiration, all that can vary as well, just like with people, how depending on how fit the horse is, how young or old, uh, a lot of times you can see different books and publications and everyone will have different numbers, ranges, but because basically within the 25 to 40 for the beats per minute or the, you know, 10 to 14, or you had a higher end of it for respiration, that that can vary quite a bit. And you can also use the nostrils, put either watching the nostrils, or you can even put your hand in front of it to feel the breath, but make sure that you wait till they stop smelling your glove or hand or whatever before you start counting. Yeah, definitely. They do like to kind of mess around when you're next to their muzzle. So <laughs> got to be a little patient. Uh, and I would mention, you know, I like some other spots too. You like under the mandible, but I've dealt with some pretty thick jawed horses in the past. <laughs> so you can also do it up by their eye. So there's an artery there behind um, their eye um, and then down in their pastern as well. So typically we'll use front pasterns. Um, and the nice thing, there's both an inside and an outside or meter and lateral for all of our vet friends out there. So um, yeah, you've got lots of options, but the only way to get good at it is to practice. I'm glad you mentioned the pastern as a place to find pulse as well. And um, I recommend students investigate that one separately too, just so that they get the idea of how strong that one should be. Because if a horse has a bout of laminitis or an abscess or something going on in the feet, um, the the feel of that will change. And in addition to the, the beats per minute, mm -hmm. well, beats per minute is gonna be a whole body, but the strength of that to the foot is gonna change. Well, just back to the irregular first view at the horse, the other the next one that's not even measuring hands-on, but is the EDUD, as you'd see abbreviated, eating, drinking, urinating, and defecating. Sometimes the first time you, first thing you see with a sick horse is they stop eating or they stop drinking, and that could end up being uh, a colic because they have some sort of blockage because they don't have enough water going through their system. So that's a, another observational thing without even measuring, looking at the quantity and quality of what they're putting in and putting out. Yeah, and, and in wintertime, I always have to, um, when we do the drinking, it's always, it never hurts to keep mentioning this, that they need to have open water, right? So no snow, please open water, and they would prefer tepid water to icy water. So that's where those tank heaters or bucket heaters can really come in handy with the caveat that you're not electrocuting the horse. <laughs> so. 
or burning down your barn. <laughs> oh yeah, that one too. We did a whole yeah, series on fire prevention. <laughs> so that was a big piece of it was all of those yeah. cords and extension cords. But but I have definitely witnessed um, myself several instances where, you know, if I see horses standing around water, that makes me really suspicious. Why are they standing around the water? Because normally they just drink it and leave. Um, and that generally indicates they want to drink, but can't. So that's when it's time to go investigate what's going on. Yeah, and that could be the matter of a dead animal in there, lack of water altogether, somebody forgot to water them, frozen or, or manure or whatever. And we have had a horse that had a short in their automatic water heater or inside automatic water and they couldn't figure out why I wasn't drinking. And then someone went to fish some hay out and got a shock. So they kind of figured that one out pretty quick. So during this past uh, cold snap, uh, I, I can agree that open water is, is so important. Uh, I actually took one of those igloo drink coolers that's insulated. And that's what we put our water in uh, or replaced one of my buckets uh, for my horse. And that um, didn't freeze as thickly. So it stayed open longer uh, because it had that insulation around the outside. Yeah. And of course, if you start looking at measuring other things on the horse, if they're not feeling well, the, the gum color can tell you so much about how a horse is handling itself physically. I mean, if you lift up the front lip and look at the gum color above those incisors, of course, it should be normal, moist and pink. But... I kind of came up with the flag memory meme so that, you know, the American flag and then in, since I'm in Arizona, the Arizona flag too, red, white, and blue can tell you that there are some major things wrong. So if there's red, the horse might have a fever, some toxicity that you were talking about earlier. If it's white, that horse might be in shock, could be dehydrated, or could have a raging bleeding wound on its hind leg and have anemic be anemic and then of course blue might tell you that they're not getting enough oxygen so there's something else going on there and then the arizona flag fits in there because it has yellow in there so can tell you there's some liver issues going on just from the gum color a lot of information and okay. just like the the temperature you should probably get your horse acclimated to having their gums looked at um, so making sure that you're uh, treating them with care um, and helping make it as positive experience as possible for them so that they will let you do it when they don't feel good. Yeah, I, I think that should be something we, we should stress more with like, you know, we think about halter breaking horses and desensitizing them, but we often skip desensitizing them or accustoming them to those veterinary procedures that are going to be a key to quality health care their entire life. So if you have not done that with your young horse, I would say, I mean, it takes nothing while you're grooming the horse and tacking up, like just practice those procedures so that you have more compliant horse. Because I guarantee you, if you want your vet to come out to see you more willingly, have a good patient. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Well, and you'll also get a lot better information to and from your vet if you call them up and say, you know, Rusty is not eating like he normally does. I looked at his gums and they might be a little bit pale and capillary refill time is another thing. 
seems kind of slow and gives you give them the information it helps them be able to have quicker and potentially better diagnoses which if you catch early and they have good diagnoses you may have much better outcomes both for your horse and your wallet and i think capillary refill time we also didn't mention is is just pushing your thumb or finger on the gum after you've evaluated the color when you take that finger away it be white but it should come back to pink if the horse is okay in minimum or maximum one to two seconds and that if it doesn't it can tell you the horse might also have dehydration as well if it's slow to return or other issues as well so we we did our eating and drinking we probably should do the urination and defecation piece um, so it's often much easier to look at a horse's manure because it's they do it so often urination can be tricky so how would we monitor urination in a horse to know if it's normal or abnormal so if they're in a stall you can at least know you know the size and number of wet spots and get a feel for that and what's normal for that particular horse um, obviously if they're outside that makes it a little bit more difficult uh, if you do happen to see them urinating i would take a look and see what the color of that stream is and also uh, take a look at their posture um, so like a, a, does a gelding or stallion do they come all the way out to urinate um, how are they do they look like they're comfortable while they're doing it um, and then also, again, back to the color, um, what, is it pale yellow? Is it look dark? Is there maybe some, um, is it like a muddy color? Uh, if it's muddy, that would be bad. <laughs> or really dark could mean uh, dehydration. Um, sometimes horses, when they're, they're drinking a lot and then also urinating a lot, they gets rather pale. Um, so there might be some metabolic reason or physiologic reason that they might be drinking and then also excreting a lot. Um, so that might be just another piece to the puzzle. And what's the, so this is always the fun one. When is it okay for urine to be red? Uh, right, yes. So when the urine contacts snow, the snow will turn, the urine snow will turn pink. And sometimes people will um, freak mistake out. that for bloody urine. <laughs> yeah, freak out. <laughs> Since I'm since I'm from New York, that <laughs> in the snow up there, um, yes, it, it it looks pink. So avoid pink snow cones. Well, I mean, you know, obviously Betsy used to live up north, and so did I. But you know, and I don't know how if they ever get enough snow in Arizona for a horse to pee in it. But uh, we occasionally get snow in Oklahoma, and that certainly could like really disturb somebody if you'd never seen that phenomena before. So we want to put that out there from a southerner's. <laughs> don't panic and and then of course too you can listen for gut sounds because the horse it should have some gut sounds but if they have no gut sounds that's bad news and if they have extreme rolling and gurgling and all kinds of gut sounds that can also be bad news so knowing what they sound like normally is going to help you know of course, zero gut sounds, not good, not good at all. And then, of course, if you listen, if you know, if you watch your vet, they'll listen to different quadrants on the horse's, you know, back part of the barrel. And when they're listening on the horse's upper right side, 
Sometimes it actually sounds like a toilet flushing because that's the cecum, which has is very muscular and pushing digesta through the tract. And so just knowing where to listen and how to listen, it could be with the ear, often with a stethoscope though, to see what you hear. Yeah, do you guys remember the name of that term for the gut sounds? Oh gosh, it's like borber borbergy or borbergy, something like that. It's supposed to be saying it's origami. It's it's a word that is sounds like a thing. There's a term for that. I'm really off track now, but it's a fun word. Let's find it and I'll write it down in the show notes. So, all right. So the last fun one is talking about manure. What do we want to see? somebody else to clean it up. I think that's my answer, but really how should we evaluate the horse? Yeah. So there's quite a few different things you want to look for in your, in your manure. Uh, so you want to look at the fecal balls and how they're formed. You want to look at color. Uh, you want to look for presence of foreign matter. So um, sand, undigested feed, parasites, um, yeah, anything out of the ordinary. Um, consistency, right? So no diarrhea, nothing that's mucusy and really hard. Um, there's all sorts of things that manure can tell you. I guess that's the running joke, isn't it? That uh, horse people are uh, way too fascinated with their horse's manure. Um, but it can give us a lot of useful information and help us be better uh, stewards of our horses. So awesome. So how many times a day should your horse poop? Nobody knows the answer. I'm going to make you do math then, guys. It's every two to three hours normally. So, <laughs> chirping. All right. 24 hours in a day, every two to three hours. What do you get? Eight to 12, depending on the horse. I'm going to blame Zoom for freezing on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. You're alive. So. <laughs> I always like to make people do math on the spots, fun for them. So, <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. Um, all right. So we got most of all of that. Um, talking about behavior a little bit. Um, what else are we missing? Oh, eyes and nasal. I think nasal and eye secretions. That. Okay. Let's talk about those. So if you're looking at your horse's nostrils, you may see some clear fluid now and then, or if you're out in Arizona, we have a lot of dust and sand and everything else so there may be a little bit of color but mostly clear but when you start seeing colors like white or yellow or more mucusy or quantities on one nasal you know passage or another or both then you start looking saying okay we've got something going on here whether it's an illness or they have an infection if it was only on one side all kinds of different things like that. So, yeah, snot. <laughs> what is it? How much? What color? What quantity? I was gonna, I was gonna go on to eyes, but if we can continue on snot, I don't know how much people want to hear about that. <laughs> but snot, okay. <laughs> I would say a lot of the same principles um, hold true for eye secretions, right? What color? How much? Um, and all of that. Like, do they, are they holding their eyes open? Um, I've seen horses with their nasolacrimal ducts. That's the the tube that connects the eye to the nose. If that gets clogged, then the, the secretions have to come out. And so then they end up with these teary eyes uh, or like a vitamin deficiency can cause excess tearing. 
or if they've got um, an injury to the eye. And eye injuries are extremely painful, so you really need to to seek veterinary help with an eye. Yeah, and definitely worth noting that that horses' eyes do not heal as well as other species. So eye injuries in horses are something we. I think we did actually a couple podcasts on eye injuries. So if you don't remember how bad they are, go back and listen. So these can be big, big veterinary expenses if you let them go on too long. Yeah, and permanent damage to your horse and the and your qual your quality of riding and life with your horse as well. I would say horses are probably one of the species that adapt to losing an eye maybe better than some. <laughs> and they have an amazing ability to adapt. But if we can um, save that eye and not make them adapt, that's all the better. What else? What are we missing? Well, the, the cool part is if you, if you didn't catch all this or you weren't taking notes, we actually have a pub that has some uh, really good examples of what's normal and the what's not normal for all these vital signs that we we're just talking about that you we can give you a the link or qr code for the notes that they can just go to online it's free and available to anybody then it's called knowing what's normal for your horse and some of the the pictures in there also demonstrate evidence of pain on the face so that's really hard to describe i think through your podcast um so the pictures i love pictures pictures uh are great in explaining things. Yeah, not quite so much in the medium of podcasting. No, <laughs> <laughs> but but don't worry. So we will. Um, I always, when we have extra information, put a link in the show notes. Um, and so on your device, you'll be able to just uh, click right on that. Um, as well as we always have lots of information about um, horse health and, and disease prevention at our parent website, so extensionhorses.org. Uh, we just got a new website, um, so it's all shiny and pretty, so we want everybody to go check it out and find all the great resources that we have uh, hidden away from the world. They're not hidden so much anymore, so love to have you check it out. Yes, and save your horse, save some money, and enjoy working with your horse when everything's good, knowing what's normal so that you can catch things quick. That's the a good way to move with all of your horses because we have enough money we can spend on them, getting everything else that we need to pamper them or to make them look good. <laughs> if you haven't done your New Year's resolution, and we are recording this right now in January, so if you listen to it later, it's fine. Uh, but put it at the top of the list, go do a physical exam on your horse make sure that you are comfortable getting those numbers because again your veterinarian will thank you when you make that phone call if you have some data for them to know if they need to come see them quickly or not sounds great all right anything else to add guys i think we covered a lot of it sarah did we miss anything i i think that's the gist of it i think this is one of the key things to being a good horse person um so if you count yourself as a, a horse person this is essential uh, information to know and essential skills to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Basic barn logics. So. And and I don't think if you're not sure how to do it, just ask someone to show you. It's not that big a deal to ask someone and it sure does help if you I, can identify that. I mean, and you have different horses that'll show different signs. One horse we had colic, he just had his head a little lower and didn't move as much. Another horse, you thought he was dying, he had some gassy colic, and once they gave him some fluids and he passed a big old lot of gas, 
he was fine. The other horse didn't make it, but he didn't show signs because his normal was way low. So. I actually made a stall card for my horse with norm his normals and put it right on his stall. So that should help um, other caretakers um, help me keep him healthy. Great idea. Okay. Well, I really appreciate your guys' time. And, you know, it is uh, never enough to revisit some of this basic information that is so key to successful horse ownership. So I think some good reminders, good tips, um, and some extra resources that people can hunt down. So I will say that has been our Tech Box Talk, Horse Stories with a Purpose. Thank you.